Welcome into NSN Daily. Plenty to get to today. Alex Margulies on the blue turf up there in Boise, Idaho. Chris Murray, I'm Brian Samudio. Jenna Holland directing us behind the scenes. Rez is on the road with Alex this week as they covered the great Idaho, the famous Idaho potato bowl against Tulane up there. Uh, Alex, give me a weather report. Looks a little cool, but uh, the blue turf always looks cold to me. Yeah, no, it's not bad. Uh, honestly, uh, I was just talking to one of the reporters who flew out here from New Orleans, and he was pleasantly surprised at uh, how uh, comfortable it is. Uh, maybe 50 degrees today. I know it's supposed to get chillier tomorrow, drop down to maybe 39 or so, uh, mid-30s or so, kickoff probably tomorrow afternoon. Uh, so I think all things considered, it could be snowing, it could be a lot windier. I think this will be a pretty decent environment for some football come uh, Tuesday afternoon. Different is this experience to last year's bowl experience. Obviously, you don't have all the pomp and circumstance and all the activities and festivities. It's just about football and playing a, a football game this season. It's weird. You know, it's it's weird being at a bowl game and uh, there's no one here. I mean, even last year, there was like a big uh, – the parking lot was completely taken over. They had the, the, uh, the festival with – a big fry station and, and live music and and it's just weird not seeing fans i mean brian you and i know this and chris you, when we travel on the road the, the Wolfpack always have fans always somebody you know whether it's a a family member of a, of a team or it's just one of the diehard fans that love traveling with this football team and you you're standing in the airport and you're not seeing some of those friendly faces so it is a very different vibe and and uh it's certainly going to be a very different experience for the players you know jay norvell talked about that in all the years that he's been going to bowl games, 22 years now, he's been to all the, the BCS bowls. He's been to uh, some amazing games. And he talked about the experience last year with the team getting to go sledding at Bogus Basin as really being a highlight. And he felt like that was something that was really to, something to remember for his team and for his kids. And so obviously for them as well, they're coming here and it's just a football game. They're not flying in until Monday. Uh, so it's just a very different situation, but it's been a very different year all around. And so I guess uh, it's just a continuation of that. Alex had a chance to talk with head coach Jay Norvell on Wolfpack All Access. Here's part of that conversation with the upcoming bowl game against Tulane. When you look at this game on paper, uh, this is very easily the best team we've played all year. I mean, they're very big in both lines, talented. They've had 38 sacks on defense. Um, we're going to have to really be physical with this team. We're going to have to run the ball on them, protect our quarterback, and we're going to have to shut down the run and get after their quarterback uh, they've done a good job handling the ball. Um, we're a little bit better than them on third down. They've been a little bit better in points. Um, their special teams are outstanding, and their head coach, Willie Fritz, kind of handles that. Um, and we're going to have to step up in that area and play great. We're going to have to really cover their return men, and uh, that's going to be important. we got to manage our penalties, which, are, which is going to be uh, a challenge in this game. We got to win time possession and we got to win the fourth quarter. That's one of the things that we got to do is we've really got to finish and, uh, and, and get after this team in the fourth quarter and outscore them. So it's going to be a very, uh, really great matchup. And uh, they're more of a running team. We're more of a passing team. Uh, they've had problems giving up big plays and that's been one of our strengths. So I think it's going to be a very entertaining game. Very challenging game. This is a really quality opponent. I know people here don't know a whole lot about them, but they're one of the better, better group of five teams in the country. Uh, Alex, let me uh, address one thing here. Behind you, we see three tents on the field. Um, that's not a mini COVID hospital. Nobody's camping. Those aren't tailgaters. 
uh, we believe they're painting the logos on the field. Yeah, they're, they're getting those last-minute uh, touch-ups in. It is a little windy here, so giving them a comfortable environment. Get those logos spray-painted on. And, uh, you know, one of the few changes, I guess, to this field here today, and, and uh, it'll be interesting to get that unveiled. But, yeah, I was, I was a little taken aback as well. When I walked in, I saw those tents. I'm like, is that like a temporary locker room or something? But, uh, yeah, it's for, for the painting. What are your thoughts on this matchup against Tulane, one of the better teams of the American Athletic Conference? I know Coach Norrell is excited to go against a team from one of the premier group of five conferences in the nation. Yeah, I mean, you heard him say in that sound by talking about the fact that he thinks that this is arguably uh, the best team Nevada's faced all season. I think that really speaks volumes about this matchup. And, you know, you had a great question, Chris, when we, when we talked to Coach Norvell this morning about, you know, the fact that Nevada is going to play uh, an AAC team. And this is a really interesting matchup for the Mountain West, to, you know, for the Mountain West to kind of show and flex a little bit against the American Athletic Conference. They're both group of five school uh, conferences that, you know, are kind of similar. Uh, I think the American obviously has, has been a, a step higher than the Mountain West with, with teams like UCF and Houston uh, and clubs like that that have really performed at a high level the last couple of years. But uh, Coach Norvell is really impressed with Tulane. And, and we look at them on tape. I mean, they're big, they're strong, they're physical. Uh, and he didn't mince words today when I talked to him about just how tough of a challenge this is going to be in the trenches. You look at Tulane, their offensive line is experienced. They're big, they're strong, they're physical. They run the football, uh, they control the line of scrimmage. And then the defensive line, uh, when they're all healthy, is really one of the best in the country. Now, I want to say being healthy is a key word because it was announced earlier today uh, that several of their defensive stars are not going to play in this game. We'll see how much of a factor that is. You know, Coach Norvell did talk about the depth of that D-line. So even though they don't have their starters and guys that really made names for themselves this year in the AAC, uh, not going to play, uh, he does still believe that the guys behind them are still going to pose a challenge. So it looks like, to me, this is going to be one of the biggest challenges in the trenches for Nevada. You know, it'll be similar to games like they had against maybe San Diego State, which, which likes to line up and, and, and do that. Although, you know, they passed a little bit more than Nevada was expecting in that game. Ultimately, I think it's going to come down to Nevada's big play passing ability. You know, the, the games where they can get Romeo dubs in those 40 to 50 yard strikes and you get Torrey Horton going, I think if Nevada can get those big plays in the passing game against a two-lane secondary that really has not been very good this year, I think that's going to be the key for Nevada. And then going back to that matchup on the interior, it's just giving Carson Strong time to throw. I mean, if he can get a pocket, if he can move around comfortably and he can make those big passes down the fields, I think that's what it's going to take in order for Nevada to be able to win this game. Chris, yeah, we've been talking about Nevada's offensive passing game versus Tulane's secondary, but now with the latest developments on that Tulane defensive line, these aren't slouch guys that they've lost. They lost a first-team all-conference defensive end I uh, had a death in his family's father passed away, unfortunately. And then a, a starting nose guard uh, is having a baby. Uh, so, and then there's multiple other players that may not play. How much do you think this plays out when it comes to that, that uh, Tulane defensive front? And it's huge. Patrick Johnson is that first team all AAC player, uh, you know, 24 and a half career sacks, 40 tackles for loss, six forced fumbles. He's like their version of Malik Reed. And he's not going to play in this game. Then you lose your nose guard, DeAndre Williams, because of the birth of his child. And then you potentially lose another all-conference defensive lineman in Cameron Sample, who's beat up and will be a game-time decision. So while Tulane has some good depth at defensive line, these are the stars of their defense who are not going to play in this game. So I think that does give Carson Strong a lot more time to throw in this game and pick on that uh, vulnerable uh, Tulane secondary. We will have a pregame show for you on uh, Tuesday. This is going to be a noon show for us, 1230 kickoff 
on ESPN. Uh, Alex, I'm going to get Chris's predictions uh, later in the show, but uh, let, let me get yours. Uh, we got about a minute, two minutes, minute, minute and a half left in the segment. You know, I, I think uh, given given the changes to that defensive front, I think if Tulane was healthy, I'm not sure if I would make this pick, but I think Nevada's going to win this game. I, mean, I think their their passing ability is there. I think this is a team that has a lot still to play for and a lot still to prove, and they're not happy with the way that their season ended. So I'll go with Nevada. Uh, let, let's get them to, to 31 points, and uh, Tulane, let's go 31-24 will be my final score. Uh, and we do want to thank again our road coverage uh, this year, uh, coming out here to the bowl game, brought to you by Bradley, Drendel, and Janae. So uh, excited to, to be able to get this coverage for you guys out here in Boise, and we couldn't have done it without their support. Now let's make sure that they know on the trophy, Wolfpack is two words. We've seen it in the past <laughs> where it's one word, and that's, that's inaccurate. I, I just want to see Nevada win a game on the blue turf. <laughs> hasn't happened in a long time. It's not happened long in a long time. time. Yeah. Yep. Well, as we said, pregame show is going to be at noon. Uh, kickoff is going to be at uh, 1230. Uh, real quick, before we get to break, guys, Air Force uh, splits with Nevada over the weekend. Uh, let's take a minute to talk about that. Chris, just your thoughts. I mean, it's disappointing for Nevada. Nevada wins the first game easily. They're up nine at halftime of the second game, and they just fell apart in the second half. I mean, you make two of 24 three-pointers, you're going to be in for some trouble. So, you know, the Air Force is probably the worst or second-worst team in the Mountain West. You have them at home. You want to get the the – a series win, but uh, you got to settle for the split. So not the best result, but, uh, you know, Nevada did play well in that first game. Alex, so these are the growing pains that Coach Alford was talking about. It's a lesson for a young team, you know, that even though you beat them by almost 20 the night before and you're up at halftime, you got to finish. Uh, and ultimately, Nevada's just going to have to shoot better. Again, two for 24 is not going to cut it. Des Cambridge with nine points going one for nine for three, not going to get the job done. So he's got to stay out of foul trouble early. That's been a big problem for him. When he gets into foul trouble early, he does not uh, seem to be able to recover. Alex Margulies joining us from the blue turf of Boise State. You throw any subject at him, doesn't matter. He'll be able to answer it. Al, we'll see you tomorrow. We'll have much more coming up on NSN Daily right after this. Welcome back to NSN Daily, wrapping up the weekend in the National Football League. Uh, some some great performances. Uh, uh, the Chiefs Saints game was fantastic. Pats aren't going to be in the playoffs, which is just you know crazy pills sort of thing. And uh, then there's then there's the 49ers. Uh, Niners lose 41-33 at Dallas. Uh, Nick Mullins, Chris is not doing himself any favors when it comes to maybe auditioning for a starting job either in the Bay Area with or with other franchises. Niners just can't hold on to the ball right. Yeah, I mean, three turnovers for him. You're not going to win a lot of games when your quarterback's turning it over that much, and the defense just didn't come to play. I mean, the defense had remained pretty stout despite some of the injuries they've had to deal with, but not in this game. I mean, giving up 41 points to the Cowboys is not going to get it done. I don't know that there's a team maybe outside of the Jets and Jaguars that wants this season to end quicker than the 49ers. I mean, that was my preseason pick to get back to the Super Bowl. And clearly, I mean, the injuries have sapped a lot of, uh, you know, their potential and, and their personnel, but – uh, you know, things have just been a disaster for the 49ers this season. So I'm sure they want to get through these last couple of games and then look forward to an offseason getting this team back to where it was a year ago. Well, the rumors are starting to kick around with fans. And then what I'm seeing on social media when it comes to trending is Niner fans want to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. And I mean, there's talk about um, going out and finding somebody else for the job. They want to dump Mullins. I know Mullins has been put into a, a bad position right now, but um, Sam Bradford is a name that I'm seeing thrown around out there. Uh, if you're the 49ers, brass is offseason. I mean, do you just control all delete this season and kind of go, let's just start over because you, you could never foresee the injuries coming. And, you know, 
technically Garoppolo just hasn't played that many games. Yeah, I mean, he's basically had two seasons out of the last three that were wrecked by injury. So while you think you might know exactly what you have in him, he just hasn't had a ton of field time after sitting behind Tom Brady for a couple years as well. And it will be really interesting to see what the 49ers do with that quarterback position. I mean, they're going to have a high draft pick. If there's a positive out of this, that's what it is. And you have Justin Fields, you have Trevor Lawrence. They're not going to be high enough to draft those two guys. But there's a guy named Trey Lance from North Dakota State, uh, the FCS uh, juggernaut. Um, you know, who's being thought of as a top 15 kind of pick at quarterback. Now, he only played one game this season because the FCS didn't play football this year. He played one game, uh, you know, against FCS opponents. Uh, so he didn't look great in that game, but I think he's going to be a high pick and maybe the 49ers fall in love with him and they decide they want to add to that quarterback position. I mean, if they got a little bit better quarterback playing last year's Super Bowl, they end up winning it. So it's definitely a position that you have to look at, not only because of Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, lack of availability with the injuries, but is he really a high level quarterback when he does play? So a lot of tough decisions for sure for the 49ers this off season. Yeah. The Niners uh, sitting at five and nine and I don't, I don't think they win another game this year. They're at the Cardinals. And Kyler Murray tore them up, and, and you know they they just have shown that they can't stop a running or a mobile quarterback, even when they were healthy early on. And then they get uh, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, uh, not even at home. It's a home game, but it's going to be in Arizona. But the guy that I'm finding that Niners fans have fallen in love with is BYU quarterback Zach Wilson. You're seeing all kinds of, of you know, there are a bunch of keyboard wizards out there that are great with with Photoshop, and they've already got Zach Wilson wearing number one in a Niner uniform. So. Who knows? I don't even know if Wilson's going to be around because he's been pretty popular. But uh, yeah, uh, Niners have a lot of decision-making to make over the offseason. Uh, the Chiefs and the Saints was an instant classic. Uh, Chiefs, uh, it's the Saints, 32-29 in Drew Brees' return. To me, the exciting thing about this is that this, this may be a precursor of what we're going to see in the Super Bowl. Oh, absolutely. I mean, these are certainly the best team in the AFC, one of the better teams in the NFC. I know the States haven't done well in the playoffs the last couple of years, but I would not be shocked if they made it to the Super Bowl. I mean, Drew, Drew Brees wasn't great in this game. I mean, you're talking about 15 to 34 passing. That's, you know, less than 50% for one of the most accurate quarterbacks in NFL history. So I think you give him a couple more weeks, he'll be at a higher level once we get to the playoffs. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes uh, played fantastic three touchdowns. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire did have a little ankle injury. So hopefully that doesn't drag on into the playoffs. Um, but yeah, the Chiefs are the cream of the crop. And I think if you're looking at the uh, best teams in the NFC, I mean, to me, it's the Saints and the Packers or uh, one, two, and however order you want to put them. Obviously, the Bucs had a big win as well. So you might be able to put them in the mix. But I wouldn't be shocked if this is the Super Bowl that we see, you know, in a couple of months. Yeah. And, and this was an opportunity for Breeze to come out and knock off some of that rust after being uh, knocked out and where he broke 57 ribs and punctured three lungs and uh, last but not least Chris Dolphins beat the Pats 22-12 Pats are not going to the playoffs yeah I mean a surpriser to me I did say in my like preseason predictions that I thought the Patriots would end up winning the a uh, AFC East again uh, thankfully it was the Bills for the first time in 25 years but yeah I mean a lot of things went wrong this year for the for the Pats and you know Cam Newton looked so good in those first two games he looked spectacular and then since then uh, you know, he's been run of the mill. I mean, I don't know that he's going to get another job after this year. And they've been fighting such an uphill battle at that offensive position. Um, you know, that is difficult to win games when you're not getting good quarterback play. I think Bill Belichick's defense is still pretty solid this year. But 
Uh, they lose to the Dolphins. They're not going to be in the playoffs. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are happy about that. They've run the league for the last two decades. So uh, nice to see some fresh blood up there at the top of the AFC and, uh, you know, uh, not not fighting for Super Bowls. I don't think Bill Belichick and his crew are done. This is obviously a very weird year, and they lost a lot of COVID-19 opt-outs. Uh, I would not be surprised. I, if you asked me, I would put my money on Bill Belichick coaching in another Super Bowl. They'll get back. Uh, maybe not to what they were because that's uh, unrealistic, but they'll get back to being a championship caliber team. Um, they've got another big question at quarterback as well. I mean, do they go out into the NFL draft and try and get a quarterback because what they have on the roster right now, quarterback is not good enough. Coming up next year on NSN Daily, you may have seen it down in South Reno, that big building at the uh, bottom of the Valley. It's an ice rink and we now know when it is scheduled to open. Senator Catherine Cortez Masto going to join us on the other side of the break, how she was a big part of getting this rink built. That's next. Welcome back to, to NSN Daily and uh, truly excited to have a very special guest on us with today from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, Senator Catherine Cortez Masto joining us here on the show. How did we stumble into getting you on the show? Are you, are you doing some <laughs> NFL picks for us? Are you picking the Wolfpack Bowl game for us? I would love to be able to pick that and actually... Uh, no, there's some exciting things happening in Reno, as always, and one of them is the Reno Ice Rink, I, and uh, I know you're very familiar with that. Yeah, it's a great project down south. Uh, Chris, you drive by it pretty much every single day. I live in the Northwest, so I don't see it that often, but, uh, you know, uh, Senator, tell me about this project and how you became involved in this. Uh, it's been so overdue to get a sheet of ice like this, a competitive sheet of ice in Northern Nevada. That's right. So actually what happened was, uh, I want to say back in September, uh, the president of the board of Reno Ice contacted our office because, as you know, this is a prefabricated Olympic size ice rink, unique to uh, our area in northern Nevada and, and so important for so many reasons that we can talk about. But uh, unfortunately, as they were uh, putting the ice rink together and installing it, um, they needed some technical expertise. And uh, the technical expertise they needed were from three individuals from Germany because uh, they have the intelligence and, and really the know-how to get it done. And unfortunately, nobody in the United States was familiar with this type of prefabricated ice rink. And so the three uh, engineers from Germany uh, were having trouble securing their temporary work visas. So they reached out to our office. And uh, the great staff that, that I have uh, in the state of Nevada, and I hope everybody, if you ever have an issue, reach out to us, uh, but they were able to secure and help those three workers from Germany uh, get their temporary visas so that they could come in uh, to Reno, work with our uh, staff and our, excuse me, our, our uh, folks in Reno already that were working on the ice rink and all the construction workers and everybody to get it done. And, uh, you know, it's exciting because look at, it's going to, uh, once it's completed, and I think uh, I've heard that uh, January 5th is the day that it's going to open, going to create 30 to 40 jobs in Reno and uh, contribute uh, to our economy. And it's good. It's good for uh, youth sports and adult uh, recreation and so many other opportunities that we have in the state. You guys obviously have a lot on your plate right now for the last couple of months, but why did this rise to the point where you wanted to take some action and try and make sure you could help get this thing open as soon as possible? You know, that's a great question, and here's why. Because every issue that any constituent in the state of Nevada has, that is important. It's important for, for us to address. Listen, I represent, and, and so proud and honored to represent 
uh, the great state of Nevada. And my goal that I see in, here in Washington is to advocate for everybody at any time on any issue that they have. So I was actually pleased that the president reached out to us because I wanted to be a part of this exciting new opportunity with a new ice rink there in Reno. Senator Catherine Cortez Masto joining us from Washington, D.C. here on NSN Daily. Uh, Senator, uh, Reno Ice, they've, they've really worked so hard to bring something, as I said, is so overdue for our area. You would think that a city nestled close to the Sierra, really kind of neighbor to Squaw Valley, which held the Olympic Games in the 60s, doesn't have a competitive sheet of ice. So many people that I broadcast who Chris writes for um, have to take their kids over to the Bay Area in Sacramento or even up to Tahoe to, to try and find a competitive sheet of ice. One, how overdue was this? And two, are we going to see you on skates? Are you an ice person at all when it comes to, <laughs> I can't, I'm not going to get on. So I'll, I, will, I may try to do a little curling. <laughs> well, I may join you with the curling, but believe it or not, yes, I grew up uh, skating. Now I can't say I'm as good as I uh, was when I was younger, uh, but th that's why I, I, I know why it's so important to have this opportunity in Reno with this ice rink for our kids, for the youth, for the opportunity to play youth hockey and adult hockey or just recreation and good exercise. And how about this? Now that we have the Golden Knights in Nevada, what about a minor hockey league team right there in Reno? Yeah. So I, I think there's so much potential and I'm excited about it. Can you help get that team here? I mean, you've got some hey, power for sure. <laughs> I will I will work on that. I will definitely work on that. But let me just say to, to Reno Ice and the board members and everybody that have done an incredible job bringing uh, this ice rink, this Olympic-sized ice rink to uh, Northern Nevada, thank you. Thank you for thinking about this. This is a great opportunity for so many of our families. And the cool thing is it's a nonprofit. They're not making a ton of money off this. They're running it as a nonprofit. They got a lead donation from Jennifer M. O'Neill, who the uh, ice rink is going to be named after. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a ton of free skate. Like Brian said, I literally live three miles away from that facility. So I drive by it to the grocery store uh, every weekend. And it, it's, it's definitely huge. I mean, how, how does that increase the livability of Northern Nevada? I mean, that's why we picked to live in Nevada and uh, Northern Nevada to live is because you can do so many outdoor things. But this just seems like it fills a gap that's been, uh, you know, outstanding for 15 years since we've had an indoor ice rink in, in Northern Nevada. That's right. And now you can have an opportunity to enjoy all the great outdoor sports in Reno year round, including ice skating. Um, and so that's that's the best part about it. And so it's it, it's exciting and it's great for, like I said, our economy, it creates jobs. It's just a win win. And I'm so pleased and uh, to be able to be a part of this and, and help make it happen. Senator, uh, coming to us from Washington, D.C., of course, your responsibilities are are so wide and broad brushed. Uh, with COVID coming through, I know Chris and I obviously were doing our show from our homes. Um, how much has this changed your your life? And uh, we all, we always joke with some of our, our guests, have you become a chef? What have you become proficient in? Are you an artist now? Because you, you're spending so much time at home aside from also at your job? Yeah, it's the same as everyone else. Like you, I am actually in my apartment right now in DC between being here and then in my official office because I have to go to the floor of the Senate to vote on matters and weigh in on important issues like the next COVID relief package. Uh, that's where I spend most of my time right now. It is really fighting for the next package that we need in the state of Nevada for relief uh, to so many people who are unemployed, right? To so many people and businesses that have shuttered for our healthcare system. To, to Now that we've got vaccines coming to community, let's make sure they get to Nevada. So we need the resources to, to make that happen. And so I am hopeful 
that this package that we passed, we get it done by this weekend. So that's why I have been here. I am not leaving. Uh, uh, as long as we're in session, I will be here fighting for that COVID relief package. And, and you know, there's so much food insecurity going on now because of this pandemic and people are in need of rental assistance and a roof over their head. There's so much at stake and it's important that we finish our job here in Washington. It's worth noting when this facility does open January 5th, they're going to be abiding by all, uh, you know, CDC guidelines, only 50 people, you must wear a mask, you must have reservations, social distancing. So, you know, it's not the grand opening that everybody would have hoped, but they are, you know, following all of the rules. I guess, you know, with this being the holiday season, we just had Thanksgiving, we have Christmas coming up. What are you thankful for, uh, you know, this holiday season? And uh, is there anything in particular you're looking for underneath the Christmas tree uh, next week? Well, I can tell you right now, I am just thankful uh, for so many people in our state who really have been helping out. And, and during this pandemic, when, when you said it, so many are sheltered in place, too many people are isolated, too many people are in need. But I can tell you, I have heard the stories of some fantastic Nevadans who have contributed and helped others or bringing them meals or making sure they're not isolated and connecting with them and talking with them and engaging with Nevadans across the country. You know, that's who we are. When we say we're Nevada strong, we are because we, we have come through difficult times before and it's because we all kind of are in this together. We help one another, we help our neighbors, we stay close, uh, make sure our families and everyone uh, has the support they need. That's what it's about. So that's what I am thankful for. And uh, I will be hopefully thankful if I get the opportunity to see my family, at least my husband, um, this holiday season. He's actually in Nevada right now. And I am still in Washington. And like I said, we're in session. I'm going to stay here until we get this package done. I think you make an excellent point there, Senator, is that just check on your friends, a phone call, mm -hmm. check on your coworkers. Uh, even if you're seeing people every single day on a Zoom call or something like that, make a phone call, reach out. Don't make it a text. You know, hear somebody's voice because you may not know what, what somebody else is going through. Senator Catherine Cortez Masto joining us from her apartment in Washington, D.C. Senator, we appreciate the time and thank you so much for our, the hard fight with uh, Reno Ice and we can't wait for the grand opening. Fingers crossed January 5th and get some kids skating on that ice very soon. Thank you. Thank you both and stay safe. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. We'll have much more coming up on NSN Daily right after this. This segment is sponsored by Welcome back to NSN Daily. Uh, you know what? We are in the middle of COVID, but there's still plenty of things you can do safely with your family, your significant other, maybe by yourself, whatever. And one of the great things in our area, Chris, I love to take advantage of is going to VC. Go up to Virginia City and just watch people because it's, it's fun to watch tourists when they come through. They've got the, the shows right there on the street. You've got, of course, you've always got uh, a guy walking around with a mule. I mean, it's just, it is, it is a throwback in time and uh, joining us right now on the show, Virginia City Tourism Marketing Manager, Katie Demuth. Katie, how are you? How are things up on the Comstock? It's wonderful. It's actually snowing right now. So it's perfect December day right now. It's kind of nice. Get a little bit snowy. I haven't had that in a while. So it's been great up here. We're enjoying the holiday season. We're focusing today on a holiday spirit that is uh, from up there. And, uh, you know, if you want to get some gin, cemetery gin, which is made by the award winning folks out there at the Frey Ranch in Churchill County. Yeah, we uh, worked with Frey Ranch five years ago, actually, which is kind of crazy. 
uh, to produce a product we had kind of marketed as a joke for years. So we have Cemetery Gin. It's our own product. It's your typical gin with juniper, but they have added Nevada pine nuts to it. So it's a special um, recipe just for us. It's kind of fun. Here, I have a bottle. You guys can kind of see it. It's got a cool little design, locally designed. I tried to keep it as local as possible. What's the origin story of making that specific brand of gin and then adding the pine nut to it? Well, so Fray Ranch has their own gin and about a little more than five years ago, it was in the fall, we decided, you know what, we have this fake story, a fake story, <laughs> that Cemetery Gin was a product that was up here during the boom and um, we sold t-shirts and pint glasses, but we never had any product and people asked about it all the time yeah. so when distilling became legal we sat down and kind of were like oh we should really think about this it'd be a unique thing to have what visitor center has their own alcohol their own little spirit to sell so our director reached out to Frey Ranch and we sat down we did a tasting out there with them they let us taste theirs so theirs has sage in it which makes it a little different than your average gin they gave us a couple options and we stuck to the Nevada pine nut just to keep true to our Nevada roots I mean I'm going to tell you if, if you didn't if you had a Virginia City like boomer bust bourbon Chris and I would be asking about that like tomorrow I mean we'd be like where is it give me the booze that's what I want come on let me have some of that that sounds great where can we well, first off before we get into some of the tourism and what's going on in the holidays where can people get that so it is sold pretty locally, only locally, Northern Nevada, uh, Total Wine, most of the Rayleigh's. And honestly, if you just want to come up here and taste it, all our bars serve it and our visitors sell it. And we sell this sweet little, we call it a bloody mucker. It's really hard to see, but it's- Oh no, that's great. I can see it. A bucket of Bloods, Bloody Mary mix and our gin. And it's a twist on a normal Bloody Mary. So anyways. Now, what? now that's a stocking stuffer right there. That's perfect right. for Christmas. A really big stocking. <laughs> I'll put a big, I'll do it right now. Tell me about how the how COVID has affected you going into the holiday season. Virginia City is a place that, you know, people love to visit it year round, but the holidays are just a little special up there too. Yeah. So I would say we're hit like a lot of other tourist locations. We definitely saw a decline in visitors, but I don't think the cheer or the joy that comes with the holiday season was dampened much up here. We definitely had to cancel a lot of our events, you know, due to gathering sizes and things like that. But we encouraged people to come check out our lights. Our town is lit up right now. We uh, did a contest with all our merchants to encourage them to decorate and the public is asked to vote and our merchants will actually get marketing dollars, um, the winning merchants will. So it's kind of a win-win for them in this hard season and shopping is happening. We have some great, um, so if you shop up here, we're giving away two $500 certificates um, to shop up here again, but all you have to do is bring us your receipts and for every $10 you spend in town, you get entered into a raffle. So we're trying to do things that aren't event oriented, but still encourage local shopping and visitors to come up here during this time. Cause it is just a tough, it's tough winter every year anyways. And this one's gonna be a little bit harder. So we just wanna keep encouraging people that we're here. Who's caught your eyes in terms of lighting up their, uh, their shop with their display with the Christmas stuff. We actually went, we went out to uh, Hidden Valley this last weekend. Maybe we'll, we'll make a trip up to the Virginia City this weekend. Oh, I feel like you just put me on the spot and like, <laughs> I can't, I can't do that. But I will say we've had a couple locations. Um, one of my favorite, and that's probably just 
because um, they thought outside the box. But we have a little store called the Sundance and they decorated it to look like a gingerbread house. Oh, cool. And they were really cool with what they used. Um, some plastic plates and bowls to look like candies. And it just was really creative. We have tons of businesses that just decked it out, totally lit up like it glows, it, but it's pretty fun. Uh, Virginia City has so many things that you can come up and do that you really can't do in a whole lot of places. Um, I mean, it's, it's famous for its cemetery walks and ghost hunts. And I know you're, are you still doing a wine tasting on Saturday? What can people still come up and do? So uh, yes, you can still come up here and do some tastings. We do cemetery gin and we do have a couple wines. We also have a couple mine tours that are still open and operating. Obviously limited occupancy masks, those kind of guidelines following. Um, the train is operating a specialty train right now. It's Candy Cane Express during the day. And then the train of lights at night, which is amazing to see. So those couple of things, we have a couple museums, Piper's Opera House is still doing tours. We're just, you know, limited occupancy, asking people to social distance, follow the rules, those kinds of things. But normal business, I, that's a normal business up here. It's not a specialty. It's not a special event. We're not crowding 50 people into a mine. I'm not sure you could, um, but I we're trying as best to keep businesses normal up here for our I mean, it's all privately owned and they're, they'd suffer just like any other small business. Yeah, I'm looking at the website, visit, uh, visit virginiacitynv.com. There's a, a bunch of offers to discounts at all these different places. Grandma's Fudge, 10% off. I, I like that. Oh, place. Oh, place is oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually, I like the antique stores. We actually went up pre-pandemic, like I think the week before. And I just love walking through the, the antique stores. Have you ever found something that's like, I don't put you on the spot again, but uh, super cool. Just like this little antique thing that you found in one of the shops that you just sort of like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I found this here. Well, I will say I have two stories about that that I can think of right off the top of my head. So my family does a white elephant gift exchange every year. And I always try to go to the antique stores to find something super random for it. So a couple of years ago, it was a painted cow that was painted to look like a cowboy. And it was that big or so. It was pretty pretty hilarious. And then one of our antique stores actually came to us. They had come across lanterns from mines up here and they were made actually in the building next door to the visitor center. They're stamped with the date and the stamp from the producer. It just, those random finds, you just can't beat them. That's the thing about Virginia City is that it has such a unique culture and the folks that live there have embraced it so so just full heartedly. I mean, I love being able to go into the little candy store and on the way in, he hands you a root beer, a little root beer, hard candy and that sort of thing. You don't get that anywhere, especially in 2020, where a lot of people, we've, we've forgotten how to be human. Humanity exists in Virginia City and it still lives there. You know, we've been going through the uh, Travel Nevada gift guide. Um, are, there, are there any any special gifts from Virginia City that we should be looking out for on, in the gift guide? I, not off the top of my head that I can think of, I know Cemetery Gin was included and I think the Bloody Mary mix from uh, Bucket of Blood was. Okay. We have so many other small businesses up here. I think it would be hard to pinpoint any other specific gifts from those stores. I we have like 50 gift shops up here. <laughs> Katie DeMuth uh, with uh, marketing up there at Virginia City. We truly appreciate your time. And it's, it's not that far away. People forget that once you hit South Reno, you're up the hill in two seconds. Look out for the wild horses and, uh, and take your time driving up there. 
be kind. If somebody's wanting to drive faster, move over, let them go by. But Virginia City still has as much life as it has now than it did back in the silver boom. Uh, Katie, we appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for having us. All right, we'll have much more coming up here on NSN Daily right after this. The following segment is sponsored by Rail City Ale House. Welcome back to NSN Daily. We usually talk with Todd DeRemer from uh, the Rail City uh, Casino and, uh, of course, the Rail City Ale House. He's uh, the GM and vice president over there. I don't, Chris, who is this guy? Usually Todd, it, it sun's out, guns out with Todd <laughs> today, showing off, showing off some fine ink. He's usually in a tight, it is Christmas week though. I mean, it's holiday. Yeah, it is Christmas week, dressing down. That's just the way it goes for Christmas week. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get into some of the specials and, and if you want to celebrate over at Rail City and, and have fun, they're still going to be uh, in the full sw- holiday swing of things. Todd, let's start off with, uh, with your picks. Titans at the Packers, Packers minus four in this one. So uh, I'm going probably against the public in this one. I like the Titans going into Lambeau. Um, I just think Derrick Henry is going to run and run and run. Um, maybe some more stiff arms to the face like we saw in the past game or something like that. But- stiff arm over under. I'm going to go four. <laughs> yeah. Four. I say over. Mm-hmm. Chris, yeah. what do you think? Uh, I'll take the uh, the other side. I'll go with the Packers in, in this one. Uh, home field advantage. They've won uh, their last four games. Six of the last seven, they haven't been great against the spread, but Aaron Rodgers is playing well, you know, playing as well as he ever has, actually. Um, so I'll go with the Packers. I'll take the home field advantage. I'll give up the field goal and, uh, and go with Green Bay. I'm gonna, I'll be with Todd on this one. I like Derrick Henry in this. I like ball control. And, you know, that that's just a, a game that needs to be played at Lambeau Field. I mean, just a hard, pounding run game, just a rock fight sort of game. I love that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, how about the Rams with the Seahawks? Uh, Seahawks minus two and a half, Todd, in a big NFC West matchup. Yeah, I like Seattle at home, especially in this one, even though I, I think the Rams are going to be motivated after giving up the only uh, the only loss that the Jets get a win on this past week. So, But I still think Russell Wilson gets it done at home. Chris? Yeah, these are two of the weirder teams this year in the NFL. Uh, the Rams, I can never predict if they're going to play well or play poorly. As Todd mentioned, losing to the Jets, I don't think anybody would have guessed that. So I'll just take the home field advantage, go with the Seahawks. It's obviously a huge game in the NFC West race. But, uh, you know, these are these are Jekyll and Hyde kind of teams for me. I'll just take the home field advantage and then bank on the Seahawks to win it. The San Francisco 49ers swept the Rams this year. Uh, handed them their first loss in Southern California, which in a horrible year for my Niners, uh, just just warms the cockles of my heart. And uh, yeah, I, I I think there are times when I look at the Seahawks and I'm like, this team could win the Super Bowl. Then I look at them and I'm like, who are these guys? You know, it's just so it's it's Jekyll and Hyde. That's a great way of putting it. Our third game of the week: Dolphins at the Raiders. Raiders minus two and a half. Uh, Todd, uh, do the Raiders kind of save some face here, or are they playing for a draft pick? No, I think I think they save face. Um, I was just looking up from a history standpoint. The series is 17-17-1 and between the Dolphins and the Raiders. So um, I look for the Raiders, prove something in Las Vegas, beat Miami, and at least, you know, go out on a win. Uh, Chris, what do you think about this? The Dolphins are coming off of a win over the Patriots and ending the Patriots' streak of going to the playoffs. And they're 9-1 and one in their last 10 games against the spread. So, uh, you know, Vegas has been a little bit down on Miami compared to what they've been doing on the field. I like Mar- uh, Marcus Mariota getting some extra run. I think he'll play well for the Raiders, but I am going to go with Miami. I don't have a lot of faith, uh, faith in the Raiders, and the trends have said Miami's been a good bet this season. So I'll take the Dolphins. I'll, uh, you know, give up the, uh, the field goal on the, on the road. 
All right, should be fun. Uh, place your wagers now, boys. Uh, Todd, what's going on over at uh, Rail City for the holiday week? So, if you remember last week, we said we sold 109 of the pizzas. Right. This weekend, Chris, you'll like this. You're a numbers guy. We sold 122. Ooh. So, it, <laughs> yeah, people like pizza. So, I know I said last weekend was the last weekend, but we're going to run this through December. At least now, um, we have people calling up saying, hey, is the pizza special still going? So, we're going to let it run until uh, until the the wave kind of dips a little bit. Um, what are the and details then no, on that real quick? What are the details on that? You $5 large pizza, any two toppings. You can't it's, beat that. <laughs> no, you can't beat it. <laughs> you can't beat that. Yeah, you can't beat it. We also, um, this past week, we got our, finally got our billboard up on uh, I-80 and it talks about the rib special. So people have been pulling off I-80 coming in for the ribs, which is five ribs, five bucks and a Coors Light. Hard to beat that one too. Um, a lot of folks are ordering a regular meal and just throwing a little ribs on top to have it as kind of an appetizer. So who wouldn't like a bunch yeah. of ribs on top, right? Pile it on, baby. <laughs> Add some more meat to the process, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Now, Todd, uh, you guys have given away knives. You've given away a space heater. You've given away the, the video game console. You've given away a bulldozer this week. What, what, <laughs> actually, actually, Christmas week, we don't have a gift. You got to get your gifts at home this week. Um, come in and get pizza. It's all about the pizza and beer this week, um, but no gifts on Christmas and New Year's Day either. I think that's enough, though. I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> you, you got the, the, those type of specials, and, and we'll see if they can break the record. 109 or and then 120. Uh, 122 they got to beat this weekend. Yeah, I don't know that they can crank too many more out. That's a that's a lot of pizza, especially Friday night was 41. Um, that's a lot of pizzas in one evening, which those is five guys, to nine. That's four guys, hours. That's 10 pizzas kitchen, an hour, right? Those guys in the kitchen hate us. They probably do. <laughs> like Todd, Samudio, Murray, stop talking about the damn pizzas. Yeah. Uh, Todd DeRemer from Rail City Casino. Buddy, thank you very much. This will be the last time we talk to you until after the, the new year. Happy holidays and uh, happy new year to do. Great to have you uh, as, as a new member of our family being on the show. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. Have a good Christmas. We will. We'll have much more coming up on NSN Daily right after this. Final minute of the show. I'm not giving Chris a whole lot of time here, so that's my fault. Uh, three keys in a prediction for Nevada versus Tulane. Uh, give Carson a strong time to throw. Uh, you know, Tulane's secondary is not great. So if uh, Nevada's offensive line blocks well, I think he's going to throw for a lot of yards, have a lot of success, and Nevada's offense is really going to be able to move the ball. Uh, key number two, be sturdy against the run game. Uh, Tulane averaging 219 rushing yards per game, 17th most in the nation. Nevada's been pretty good against the run, but they've given up a couple of big plays, specifically the last game they gave up 269-yard runs. So that'll be the big challenge for Nevada's defensive front is whether they can slow down that Tulane running game and then win the special teams battle. Tulane is excellent in special teams. Our head coach, Willie Fritz, runs their special teams. He actually mentored Thomas Sheffield when they were both at Sam Houston State. Thomas Sheffield is Nevada's special teams coordinator. So uh, kind of a cool story there, but don't give up a big play in special teams like they did against, did against San Jose State. I have Nevada winning this one. They're a field goal underdog, but I haven't won in 33 to 32 lane will be without their two coordinators in this game. One left for a job, one got fired. So I think that's a big change and they've had a bunch of injuries. So I'll pick Nevada to win by a field goal. We'll have a pregame show at noon, Nevada and Tulane on ESPN at 1230. We're out of time. We'll see you next time.